This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Family Planning Victoria Schools and Community Team. My name is Anne. The Schools and Community Team run classes uh, in schools for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, relationships and reproduction. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so that we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today I'm talking with Jack Tomlins. Jack is a writer, trainer and advocate in the LGBTIQ field. She has over 30 years of advocacy experience and was one of the founding members of what is now Rainbow Families Victoria. Jack has published many resources, guides and information for same-sex parented families. The one that I'm going to ask about today is called Trans and Gender Diverse Parents Guide. This looks at adults who are transitioning while being a parent or becoming a parent after transition. Rather than being a how-to guide, this resource contains personal, individual stories of parenting through the eyes of transgender or gender diverse people. In a primary school class, children will often ask about what it means to be transgender. As part of this discussion, children are curious about what it might mean for a person's fertility if they are trans or gender diverse. For anyone wanting to continue this discussion about how families can be all sorts of different things, including having a trans or gender diverse parent, this guide is a great read to have some insight into this particular part of the rainbow. So thank you, Jack, for talking to me today. You've been connected to advocacy work in the LGBTIQ field for over 30 years now. That's right. Long time. Can you tell me a little bit about what's changed in that time? Well, a huge amount has changed over that time. I would say that for for many, many people, especially for younger people who identify as LGBTIQ coming out into the world now, that is uh, much, much easier and much, much better. And attitudes towards the uh, queer community generally have uh, really come along significantly, and especially, I'd say, in the past five to ten years. I think the marriage equality campaign had uh, a significant impact on that. There was some downsides to that, but in terms of an awareness of, of the community and who we are, that's really changed. Oddly, you know, some things remain the same. I started out as a teacher in London 30 years ago, working with uh, young kids in schools, And we see now, 30 years on at the moment, uh, teachers really struggling a little bit with the current climate in terms of being able to be out at work Mm. and uh, whether or not they are supported. Mm. And uh, I think for for young people in schools, it's really important that we have uh, teachers who identify as LGBTIQ for for them. Mm. So some things uh, things still need to be worked on, Mm -hmm. but absolutely there's a a huge difference between um, when when I first came out 30 years ago and attitudes towards the community now. Right. That must be gratifying to see. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> well, it means that, you know, the work has paid off. So yep. um, certainly, and, and I think, you know, when you talk to young people about these 
issues, the way in which they talk about it, the language they use, the level of comfort that they have is entirely and completely different from how it was when, when we were that age. Yeah, I agree. We're going to talk a little bit about your resource in a minute, but before we do, could you explain the difference between transgender and gender diverse? I will have a go at, uh, at doing that. One of the problems, I think, generally is that uh, language is, is incredibly important to the community, um, but it also changes all the time. And uh, so even for me, trying to keep up with uh, definitions and how people define themselves is, is quite challenging. So very broadly, trans or transgender is a term, is an umbrella term that refers to somebody whose sense of their own gender is different from the gender that they were assigned at birth. And that's the kind of language we use, assigned female at birth or assigned male at birth. And the other useful term to to know is the opposite of transgender is cisgender, C-I-S. And that is someone whose gender matches the gender that they were assigned at birth. Um, So me, for example. And cis is a very good word to know because it stops us saying trans and normal or trans and other. We can say trans and cis. Mm -hmm. So that's the sense of transgender and a trans person might identify themselves as as trans male, trans female, male, female. So it tends to be broadly binary, Mm -hmm. uh, but not completely. Whereas somebody who is gender diverse generally rejects that notion of binary, of there being male and female, and may identify themselves as feeling part of both, or some days feeling more uh, male, in inverted commas, or sometimes feeling more female. So it's a a more, um, I suppose, uh, a word that young people use, fluid, flexible approach to a sense of gender which is not based on the binary Mm -hmm. so they might refer to themselves as non-binary. Now through this resource that we're talking about today you've investigated personal stories of individual people and you've aimed to identify some collective experiences and answer a number of questions. I'm going to ask some of the questions that you've posed in the guide. Yep. First one, how does someone explain gender affirmation or transition to a child? I think that's a really critical question and that was one of the key parts of the guide and I think for people reading it, one of the most interesting and the most challenging. And there are two or three examples in the guide of parents who have transitioned while they have children and how they have approached that. Uh, One, for example, at the beginning of the resource who had uh, three kids, one who was very young at the time that they transitioned and for for that child they only knew their parent as a after they had transitioned the older child was able to to understand a little more of the experience and how they understood it was that um, their parent was making their outside match how they felt on the inside, which was rather lovely. But in that particular family, the uh, middle child really struggled. And one of the things I think is that for the kids is a sense that they are losing a parent. 
losing a dad or a mum. So I think in terms of how people talk to their kids about it, it's the same as, you know, when you're talking to your kids about how babies are made or other, you know, trickier topics. And it's about finding the right time and the right the right age and using age-appropriate language and finding, you know, in some ways a little bit uh, creative ways of explaining this. So, of course, it is... Um, it's a huge challenge for families and for kids, but but also like anything else, it depends on how the parents talk about it and the kids will take their cue from that. So mm. if it is presented as something that is uh, part of the rich tapestry of life and of families, then that's how the kids will will take it. But that's that's not to to understate the the very significant challenges there can be for families with a transitioning parent. Mm. And what's the best approach to take with a school when discussing trans and gender diversity in families? The first thing, of course, is to talk to the principal or uh, the teachers in the school and to open up a discussion. And I think these are these are quite difficult concepts for people and Often, I think there is a journey that people go on in understanding these issues. There's also a lot of misinformation out there. So I think having a really good, open, one-on-one discussion about any of these issues can be really, really valuable. And also recognising that it might be an ongoing discussion that Mm. people are going to be having with schools. And there are some resources out there now and so it's about accessing those resources and providing whoever it is, whether it's uh, the classroom teacher or uh, year heads or um, the principal, with whatever appropriate resources might help with mm. these discussions. I love the story in the guide that was uh, someone who approached the principal and explained their story of being yeah. a transitioning parent and the principal just said, well, you're not the first. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a lovely story, yeah. uh, Heidi. And that's in a school, small school that was in a regional area mm. and certainly not what she expected and was quite taken aback and, and that school was uh, was fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's another story in there with Michelle who... Uh, spoke to the school and to the school council who were initially quite supportive but then went very quiet and were I think found it quite challenging and but over time what was interesting is I think it was a couple of years after that initial conversation they were then asking Michelle back uh, to the school to speak uh, mm. at, uh, at an Ida Hobbit celebration about her experience. So, as I say, it's a journey. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Another question from the guide. What impact does transition have on a partner or a co-parent? Look, I think that's huge as well. Uh, and again, very difficult and very challenging. And there are examples in the guide of couples who stayed together through transition and couples who separated through transition. I think one of the things that emerged from my discussions with parents was the lack of support for the partners, Um, lack of support generally in this area, but certainly with partners felt that there was nowhere to go, no one who understood their experience. And one of the things that has come out of 
of this guide when we did the launch down here was at the at the end there were a group of parents who were in the process of setting up a peer support group mm -hmm. and there's one that's been run in Sydney as well we're in Melbourne so um, I think there's lots of challenges and can be quite difficult but I think if uh, a couple wants to work through the transition and stay together and uh, as a family then I think that's absolutely and completely doable but uh, with some help and support. Another question this is really something that children are asking a lot in class so they know a bit about people that transition and yep. uh, express themselves as different genders but they want to know what it's like to negotiate fertility or can a trans person um, have a pregnancy or make a baby. Yeah. So what's it like to negotiate fertility as a trans or gender diverse person? Another tricky one. Um, certainly there are many ways that people can parent. And uh, for example, my, my children, my three children are not biologically related to me, um, but I'm absolutely and completely their mum and have been since dot. People can co-parent, they can foster be in a relationship with somebody who uh, gave birth to the uh, child or used their own gametes, their sperm or eggs. So for trans people, for someone transitioning, there are still a number of options for people to have children biologically. One of the things that is often looked at with young people who are transitioning is what they call fertility preservation. So it might be that a young person can can store, they can store and freeze sperm or eggs for use later when that person is an adult and at the stage when they might want to have children. That's often quite difficult because for young people transitioning, that probably, you know, having kids mm. is the last thing on their mind. They might be, you know, 20 years away from that. But that is certainly an option. But um, in, in the guide, there's also another example, Al, who uh, is a trans man, but Al gave birth to his daughter. And so Al was uh, in the process of about to transition and uh, fell pregnant and then decided that he would have the baby and transition post the birth. So uh, it's complex, but there is absolutely no reason why trans people cannot parent. So in the resource there's an interview with two primary school aged children who have seen a parent transition. What were your thoughts of that interview? I loved that interview. I thought it was quite fascinating and quite lovely and very genuine and I was really glad that we were able to do that and to include it in the resource. I wanted um, to get the voice of kids into the resource. So how that came about was that uh, those two girls know each other through this connection of a, of a peer support group and their non-transitioning parents sort of sat them down just with a microphone uh, going on in the corner and had a very casual discussion with them about what it was for them, how it felt for them having a transitioning parent. And it's a lovely, very authentic interview which I think for me really brought home the fact that if you handle this well, if you are open and honest, then that's how kids will take it. That's how kids will hear it and receive it. 
And, um, you know, one of the things they talk about is how lovely it is to have each other because they understand the experience they're going through. But they are, they talk in a, a, a really authentic way about what it's like to have a transitioning parent. And I think it's a, it's a great contribution to the resource. Mm. After collecting all these stories, you end the resource with some recommendations about what might make things better for this community. What are some of those things? There are a number of things that were identified. And how I asked this question, uh, what I put to the parents was, you know, in, in a better world, what would that look like? And in no particular order, but uh, one of the key things, and this comes up all the time, is about language and the importance of language. And so very broadly, the use of gender-neutral language is uh, helpful, um, but particularly pronouns and making sure that people aren't misgendered so that they are referred to as as their affirmed gender. And a connectedness, a connection, which, you know, which we know is, is hugely important generally for mental health, but being connected with other people, we're, so peer support groups, uh, and that might be in real life or on Facebook or online somehow, but that kind of connection with other people, and uh, that's that has been hugely uh, important for people, as I say, particularly for the for the non-transitioning uh, parent as well. Other things were um, support for for kids, and that might come through the school. Again, teachers, principals being on board, being knowledgeable, being supportive, um, welcoming the parents. Again, there's some stories in there of uh, Michelle talks about going to a. Uh, I think it's the Father's Day barbecue brunch and the mm-hmm. r- response of people there. <laughs> so, so there's a lot that schools can do that would make uh, things better for people. I think services generally um, for trans and gender diverse people and particularly families, there's very few services, medical or otherwise, mental health, um, just broad general services that really are well informed and are able to provide uh, a good service to people and we know that there are services out there who who won't see people or who really um, don't provide a good service so those were some of the things that people came up with. Finally what would you like young people to know about families with same-sex parented families or trans and gender diverse parented families? Young people, I love young people, Um, fantastic the way that young people these days talk about these issues, entirely and completely different from how we did. And when I listen to uh, conversations that my kids have, the language that they use, and the acceptance is quite remarkable. And for them, they have trans kids at their school, uh, and they know trans parents, and it's like, you know, whatever. They, they really don't, they don't get why people are so hung up about it. Um, so I think that's fantastic. So I think for, for young people to know that somebody who has trans parents, that that's going to be potentially quite a difficult thing for them to manage, um, that they will be susceptible, open to teasing or maybe bullying from other kids. And to to have someone's back on this is really fantastic and a really great thing to do, just to be supportive, even if you don't know stuff or you're a bit worried about saying the wrong thing, um, just to be friendly and supportive and kind and to maybe 
call it out, to challenge people sometimes if they're saying mean things or nasty things and just to say, hey, you know what, I don't think that's cool. Mm. Um, those sorts of things can be really, really valuable for for somebody who is from a, a same-sex parented or trans-parented family. Mm. To be seen and to be, be treated kindly. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Jack. It was really, really interesting to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks so much to Jack for discussing her resource, Trans and Gender Diverse Parents Guide. I'm just going to pull out a few things that I thought were really interesting that Jack said in our discussion. Using inclusive language about people and families is really important. It's possible for a transgender person to make a baby, but it might be really complicated. Peer support is something that can create connection in community. Teachers and schools being really knowledgeable and supportive about transgender and gender diverse families can be really helpful. Having the broader community be allies by calling out teasing or discrimination is really helpful. For more information about Jack Tomlins, you can go to her website. I'll link that in the episode notes. The resource we've been discussing today is called Trans and Gender Diverse Parents Guide. It's available through Jack's website and also at Rainbow Families. The guide ends with a list of resources state by state, nationally and internationally. A few of them mentioned are Transgender Victoria, The Gender Centre, World Professional Association of Transgender Health. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, you can go to fpv.org.au. You could contact us directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Leave us a comment. Uh, press like if you like it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks.